Because one of the commitments is um, do not allow your practice of training the mind to cause inappropriate behavior. Do not allow your practice of training the mind to cause inappropriate behavior. And what Venerable Geshe explains this commitment to mean is this commitment advises practitioners, us, to be happy with themselves. And that's a surprisingly profound point and a really, really important one, which is why I wanted to devote this first class on this course to this point, how to be happy with ourselves. Now, the whole course is called How to Change, which sort of maybe implies that we're not happy with ourselves. We're a bit unhappy about ourselves. And there is a risk that we do have a a guilty mind or a a heavy self-critical mind. And maybe we've had that, and if that's in some way got us to this place, that's, you know, we've, we've made some benefit from it, really. But that isn't going to, going to power our transformation. It's something that's very important to understand. That the, the guilty feelings that we might have, the, the, the sort of negative self-talk, thinking, I'm bad, I'm bad, doesn't power change. In fact, that holds us back that stagnates us. It is those thoughts, and the more strong they are, that keep us in a rut, keep us with a bad habit. What the, what the sort of guilt mind is doing is it's looking at mistakes we've made or ways we've felt or things that we've done, reactions that we've had, and it identifies ourselves with that. It thinks, that's what I am. That's what I'm like. I'm someone who panics in dangerous situations. I'm someone who gets very anxious. I'm someone who's very insecure and easily offended. I'm someone who gets angry easily or feels jealous often. I'm someone, you know, I'm, I'm someone who's very selfish. I'm someone, whatever it might be, that, that thought, the guilty thought, thinking that's who I am, that's who I am, that is going to undermine our efforts at change. So we're going to tonight try to tackle that, try to liberate ourselves from that mistaken view because it's not true. Even if we've made mistakes, you know, we've overindulged in in various things and we've repeatedly made the same mistakes. Maybe, yeah, maybe from one point of view, we could say, yes, I have made those mistakes again and again and again. I have done that thing so many times. But that doesn't define us. That's not who we are. And when we realize that, then we start to find the power to change. But while we're still under the throes, under this sort of delusion, the influence of that guilty, heavy mind thinking, that is what I am, well, then we can, we can sort of move away from that behavior to a degree, but we will inevitably get swept back because part of our mind is saying, no, you're not like that. You're like that. That's what you're like. And so we'll just slide back to it. We're giving it a gravitational pull that makes it almost impossible for us to leave its orbit. We're just dragged back to that place. So what we're going to do tonight is look through, see through that deception, that illusion, because it's not right. And there are various meditations that we can lean upon to help us do this. So, I want to lean upon the section called 
living beings have no faults, which is in the chapter Enhancing Cherishing Love in the New Eight Steps Happiness. Living beings have no faults, which sounds like an outrageous thing to say. Like, do we know anyone that hasn't got any faults? Do you, how many perfect people do we know? And actually know, like, you know, there might be a few people we put on a pedestal, but we've never met them, never spent any great deal of time with them. Of the people we've actually spent time with, you know, with our family, our siblings, parents, children, colleagues, neighbours, how many of them are flawless, perfect people, no faults? <laughs> We're thinking, well, no, I mean, you know, no, everybody's got faults. Whereas Buddha's saying, living beings have no faults. So, where does he live? Who's he coming across? So we need to try to understand what he's saying here because living beings have no faults. Everyone fundamentally is perfect. Imagine how how different our relationships would be if we actually felt that. And in the context of tonight, imagine how different our feelings about ourselves would be if we really understood this. So the chapter starts with... uh, Essentially like a question. So the question goes, does seawater taste salty? Does seawater taste salty? And we're coming into spring and the sun's out. Maybe some of you have been down by the beach. So, you know, I was walking along the, the bay earlier and various kids paddling a little bit in the water. It's, is the Morecambe Bay salt seawater? <laughs> I think it's, maybe it's too inland. But anyway, you've been to the beach, you know what it's like. When we get a mouthful of seawater, does the seawater taste salty? And I say, yeah, of course it tastes salty. Of course the seawater tastes salty. But at the same time, you also appreciate this is a Buddhist class. So you know the answer is going to be no. And maybe you've read the book, and so you definitely know the answer is no. Seawater doesn't taste salty, but why? And so the answer, of course, the answer is no. Seawater doesn't taste salty. The salt in the seawater tastes salty, but the salt is not an intrinsic part of the seawater. There are many parts of the world, Israel, parts of Western Australia, uh, cruise ships often, uh, submarines particularly, where they take water from the sea and they put it through a desalination process. They take the salt out of the seawater and then they drink the seawater. And it's delicious and refreshing and wonderful. Wonderful seawater. Doesn't taste salty at all. It's water from the sea. It's seawater with the salt taken out. Doesn't taste salty at all. So what's that got to do with anything? Well, when we get a mouthful of seawater, our tongue isn't clever enough to know the difference between the salty salt and the refreshing seawater. But our wisdom is. We can understand that. In the same way when our eyes see other people or when we think about ourselves and our past, Maybe we can't make a distinction. We just see a bad person. Bad person, bad thing, bad behavior. Our wisdom, our, our good heart, can realize that's not really who they are. Uh, the salt in this analogy of the person is the delusions. You know, the, the clouds of agitated, negative thought that are a disease of the mind. They're not our mind's real nature. Take those out, and who are we? You know, take away our fears and our anxieties and our jealousies and our attachments and so forth. 
And what remains is this incredibly joyful, peaceful, positive person. That's our true nature.